Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary and author of the new book, How They Love Mary, 28 Life-Changing Stories of Devotion to Our Lady, available from Sophia Institute Press. I am enjoying so much my weekly conversations with different guests about the lessons as we go through the book one by one, person by person. Did you know that you could wear a sock honoring many of the different individuals who are found in How They Love Mary? In the month of June, I'll be talking about St. Therese of Lisieux and St. Kateri Tekakwitha and Fulton Sheen. Those three individuals all have a sock at Sock Religious. And when I talk about St. Faustina, well, she's the visionary who received the Divine Mercy. And you can find a pair of Divine Mercy socks at Sock Religious. Head over to Sock Religious by using the link in the show notes and begin wearing socks for the glory of God and in honor of the saints. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. We are continuing our weekly series going through my book, How They Love Mary, 28 Life-Changing Stories of Devotion to Mary. And today we are going to be talking about St. Kateri Tekakwitha. We might be referring to her as St. Kateri Tekawitha because there have been variations of the spellings throughout the years and kind of customs that have been in place for decades of calling her St. Kateri Tekawitha, especially where I live in the Diocese of Green Bay. Back in 2011, I presented my first paper at the Mariological Society of America. I was only... Uh, I, I had just graduated college. I couldn't tell you how old I am uh, at that time, but I, I was just right out of college. I'm the youngest person ever to have given a paper at the Mariological Society, and I was speaking about Adele Bryce and the Marian apparition uh, that changed her life back from 1859. We just recently talked to Marge Fenlin about Adele and her latest book, America's uh, Mary, and so uh, I'm there giving this presentation. The topic is Mary in the United States and Canada up until 1900. Well, there was this woman there, uh, Lynn Bushman, I think was her name. And if not, just check the book and I have her cited there. But anyways, uh, this individual was giving a paper on the Marian spirituality of Kateri Tekakwitha. And that was an introduction to me uh, about her Marian devotion. I actually had worked at Camp Tekawitha in the Diocese of Green Bay back in 2008. So we're looking a few years removed from that. And here I am learning more about this saint whose camp that I worked for, whose image I saw often. And then there was this lady who was there. Uh, this, this conference took place down in Arizona. There was a lady. She was an artist, a painter. She comes and she has these prints of St. Kateri. And I decided to buy two of them. I bought one for myself. And then I bought one 
with the intention to donate it to Camp Tekawitha in Shawano, Wisconsin. So uh, that print, I know, is still there, I, I've been told. And so uh, I'm happy today then to talk about my past with Camp Tekawitha and really to come to understand it more and better, uh, the story behind it. It's a camp located here in northeastern Wisconsin, but of course, anybody from across the country or dare I say, the world could be a camper. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Sievers, who is the director of Camp Tekawitha, and who is going to share with us a lot about this special place in the north woods of the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin. So thanks for joining me, Rebecca, and taking time out of your camp schedule. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate any time that I get to talk um, further and just have a good conversation about St. Thierry and the influences she's had both both on my life and here in the Diocese of Green Bay. So I appreciate appreciate you having me as well. Yeah, and this podcast, of course, has a lot of local people that listen to it, people I know from my parishes I've served or from the diocese, but also there's a national, there's international audiences. I see the metrics every week uh, about where listeners are coming from, how they find it, etc. So so people will be learning about St. Kateri Tekakwitha and Camp Tech uh, in the Diocese of Green Bay from all over the world. And so I guess my first thing is you became the director uh, several years ago now. Uh, you had also directed summer camps, I think, for the University of Wisconsin at Green Bay. So this seems to have been a passion of yours. I'm wondering if, first of all, if you ever attended Camp Tech. Yeah, so I attended Camp Tech for 10 years as, as a camper um, back in the day. And then I was on staff as a camp counselor for four years at Camp Tech with us. Um, and then, of course, became director back in 2016. So this was kind of like a life dream, maybe. Like everything was leading you to this. So this wasn't something you just thought, oh, I'm, I'm a devout Catholic. I'd like to do this. I'd love to help the church. It's really Camp Tech was running through your blood. Yeah, Father Looney, what's really cool about this is when I was a camper, I, I like I, I distinctly remember driving home from Camp Tekawitha with my parents in the car, and I was like, man, I want to work there one day. Like, I would absolutely love to work here one day, right? And then when I was on staff after my very first summer, I went into the then director director's office at the time, who was Eric Blumerick. I went into his office, and I said, Eric, I want your job. How do I get your job, right? And I'm this, like, young 18-year-old kid asking my boss, <laughs> boldly saying, I want your job, right? Um, and, and I think it was just it was this, this feeling, this calling um, to be able to do something for a community that was kind of really bigger than myself. Um, and then I just felt like it was I was closest to Christ when I was here. Um, and I felt it from the very first day that I stepped foot on the grounds here. And Camp Tekawitha has gone through some lows and some heights, I would say. When I was a camp counselor, it was probably at its low point. And then, as you mentioned, Eric comes in, it goes up. You're there, and you are having record numbers of campers, even in this post-COVID world that we live in. So so it's really on the up and up. You're focusing on faith. You're doing great work. And so um, what, what are some of your great memories of Camp Tech with maybe as a camper, then as a counselor, and now as the director? Yeah, that's that's a great question. We were we were actually just talking about this with the staff um, this past week. Just some of the memories, and I was I still remember from when I was a camp counselor. So I was a camp counselor starting in two thousand and nine. So you were in two thousand and eight. So we just missed each other by by one year serving on staff together. Um, 
and it was Eric's first year as camp council or as camp director. And we 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 implemented. I don't know if you guys had adoration when you were out here. Um, no, <laughs> but we started adoration on 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 Monday nights, and so um, I still remember that I was a camp counselor, and I had a seven year old come up to me after after a night of adoration. And mind you, we probably kept the seven year old in there for about twenty minutes, right? So it wasn't a full holy hour, um, but just enough for for kind of her her young restless heart, if you will, to be able to sit and be still. And I still remember walking out of the chapel that that evening. And um, she turns to me, and she was like, was that really Jesus Christ? And I was like, just like the pure innocence of that seven-year-old in sharing that was so beautiful. And then afterwards, she said, can I go back? And then the next day, she, she came up to me, and she said, are we going to adoration again? To, or she didn't call it adoration. She said, are we going to go see Jesus again today? And I was like, dude, you're seven years old. Like, this is awesome. It was so beautiful to see her um, and, and, and the way that she connected with the Eucharist um, in that moment. So I would say that's probably one of my favorites. A second favorite of mine, um, we were having Mass with Bishop Ricken. Bishop Ricken typically comes out to camp for Kateria's Feast Day, um, which is on July 14th. And usually in the middle of one of our biggest weeks of summer. Um, ironically enough, I was. I, it, it's interesting to see how Kateri's intercession um, works at camp here. And, and every single year since it started, the week that Kateri's feast day lands on happens to be one of our biggest weeks of camp, which I think is really cool. But Bishop was out here, and he was um, presiding over Mass. And if you know anything about our chapel, our chapel, St. Francis of Assisi Chapel, um, down here, the, the sides open up. And so literally it's just this total, like, open concept. And what was really cool is, I, I kid you not, all of a sudden Bishop Rickon kind of stopped, and he stared out the side door, or the side, like, panels that kind of open up. And there was a deer just sitting right there. And it was one of those, like, cool moments when, you, when you're like, this is, this is what it's about, right? It's about kind of being outdoors in creation. Um, and the deer sat there probably for about, like, literally five minutes, it felt like. And we just kind of shared in, in mass with, with the creation around us. Um, and it was, I still remember, you know, the kids thought, thought it was, like, the coolest thing. They talked about that literally for, like, the next, even to this day, we have some kids that were out here that week, and they were like, do you remember that one time that the deer joined us for mass? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> um, but just, like, like so much fun. And then, and then you get some of the memories, like, you know, last year when the Bucks one and six, the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Um, we had this like huge night in the rec or in the dining hall and we had the game on and you know, you get kids that are just like Bucks in six, Bucks in six you know, um and what a cool way for them just to, it kinda like felt like for a kid version, they were like in the Deer District is kind of what it felt like. We had popcorn and we had like we made it a really cool environment. So I think any time we have we have opportunities to turn moments into memories, um, are probably some of my favorite favorite times at camp because they're spontaneous they're fun they're random um and they're times where like you you have no idea um they're totally unexpected and, and beautiful at the same time one of my favorite memories from being a counselor just back in 2008 i had no experience with camp tech before that or anything and so this was my first exposure and actually it was kind of like they had a male counselor drop out 
And someone just asked me, you know, they, they texted me or whatever, called me probably back then and said, would you consider being a summer camp counselor? And, and uh, so I left my summer job as a, a, or I left my previous job then because I was a college student and I was a pizza maker. And so I left the restaurant to work for the summer uh, as a camp counselor. And one of my favorite memories is uh, that there were these I guess I, if I remember right, there were two Russian boys. So basically an American family adopts these two boys from Russia and, and they were tremendously homesick because I think in their family home, they would always pray the rosary in the evening together. And so me being a guy that people know, he likes the Blessed Mother. And so one of their counselors came to me and said, hey, would you mind praying the rosary with these boys uh, each night? And so we would do that. And there was a statue of Our Lady right outside the dining room hall. And then I would sit there with them and there was another counselor and we would just pray the rosary together. And those boys really uh, felt at home then because of that. So uh, that that's one of my favorite memories. And uh, yeah, one that I recall uh, from those summer months. For you as now the director, but as a counselor, like, did you have a devotion to Kateri when you were there? Or um, was it just, she's a picture on the wall. Maybe we tell her story a little bit, but it, but you've grown now into a devotion. Wh- wh- which way, I guess, is it for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, um, when I was a camp counselor, it wasn't, so probably similar to, to your experience in the sense of um, we, we were growing into our Catholic identity as a camp, but we weren't quite kind of where we wanted to be. So I think for me it was we told Kateri's story, and still to this day, every Thursday night we kind of have a serious ceremony where, where we have um, somebody tell, you know, Kateri Tekawitha's story, um, and we kind of incorporate it into the week. So I don't know that it was so much I had a devotion to her at the time. I think it was like there was always something really special and unique about her um, and about working at a place that she had, like, so much. Like, she was, she interceded for us on so many different occasions. Um, but it wasn't until I think I was director that I really started to, to, to gain, like, really just, like, a greater appreciation um, for her as a saint. And I would say, yeah, more of a devotion to her as well. And you're having a lot of young kids come to Camp Tech. You mentioned, you know, seven-year-olds, and it ranges in ages. You have young kids all the way up to, uh, what is it, sixth grade, eighth grade? I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So so our summer camp goes ages six to 14, which is about eighth grade. And then our leadership programs actually um, have taken off these last couple years. So we'll have about 150 kids ages 15 to 18 out at camp this year um, in different leadership programs where we really kind of focus on, like, missionary discipleship, um, leadership development, um, you know, servant leadership, and kind of mesh them all together. So we've really expanded our, our leadership, but, yeah, we have a ton of young kids as well. For a lot of these young kids, then, they probably don't know many stories about the saints. Maybe they go to church on Sunday and they see some statues and they're kind of recognizable as, oh, these are holy men and women. And so here you are telling the story of St. Kateri, for example, who was a young girl. Uh, And so how did they receive her story? Yeah, I think what's really cool about the way that we interact St. Kateri's story or interweave it kind of throughout the whole um, week is it's not just a one-time story, 
right? So they learn about St. Kateri before they even come to camp. And then throughout the week, we'll have them actually build, like, Kateri crosses. So if, if you know a lot about St. Kateri Tech with us, she used to um, – she used to make crosses and kind of leave them throughout the woods. And, and that was, A, a marker for her to kind of find, remember her way back home, right? But then, B, was also a way for her just to kind of express her faith. And so we'll have kids that, that make crosses and leave them around camp just as a reminder that, that Christ is always with us um, and kind of as a reminder of, of our faith and expression of our faith. Um, but then also we have we have what's called the the Lily Game. So St. Kateri Tekawitha, um, as you know, um, is known as Lily of the Mohawks. So we, we have this, this thing called the Lily Games, and it's kind of it's we have different activities throughout the week, and it's about camaraderie, it's about sportsmanship, it's about, um, it's kind of like a color war, right? So imagine in middle school or elementary school where there's a bunch of games and activities, um, but really it is kind of how do you, how do you make, how do you bring faith alive? Um, and I think that by having St. Kateri's story and having different aspects of her life um, really, really kind of seamlessly inter- intertwined within every aspect of our week. I think the kids, when they leave, they're so on fire. Um, and they know so much about her that then it becomes, you know, it's not uncommon. This year on our staff, Father Looney, we have 82% of our females have had St. Kateri as their, or has, have chosen her as their confirmation saint. Um, and I think that's just like a staggering number to, just to show how much of an impact, you know, she's had here at Camp Tekawitha, but also on the lives of so many of our, of our campers, current staff members, you know, current directors as well. So our campers, you know, they, they feel like they can, they can really kind of relate to her in a lot of ways, I feel like. Um, and then they, they, they absolutely, um, fall in love with her story and, and her faith. One of the things I do as I listen to someone like yourself share, sometimes if you say something or I have an idea, I'll jot it down, hoping that I won't forget to include it in our conversation. So it's kind of funny that just now, as you were talking about confirmation saints, I literally wrote down confirmation saint to ask you, do you think students take Kateri as a confirmation name? And then there you already answered uh, that question. So that's that's beautiful. And it's a great testimony to the fact that when you share the stories of the saints, they make an impact on the child's life. And it's something that might remain with them for the rest of their lives. They're always going to remember the story of St. Kateri. And and uh, perhaps there's a little memento, like maybe they'll have a little cross and they'll place it, you know, somewhere in their home or whatever. So do, do they get a prayer card? Do they have any prayer, I guess, asking her intercession? Yeah. So actually, every year we typically do something for St. Kateri, right? And this year, we have a litany to St. Kateri Tekka with us. We have that printed out on, like, kind of a bookmark. And when everybody goes home, so first off, we pray that as a as a camp every night. Um, so every night throughout the week, we're praying that, and then we actually send that card home with them and with their families, and we hope that they're kind of continuing um, that prayer throughout the year as well. And then, you know, depending upon um, pretty much everything that we that we do here, um, it, it has, has Kateri's... Kateri's imprint on it somewhere, right? So, like, in our trading post, which is, like, our camp store, we have the little – have you ever seen the the croc, um, the croc clips that, like, go in crocs? No. Um, okay. So they're pretty popular these days um, with, with kids. And we have a Camp Tekawitha one, and then we have a, a one with Kateri's, Kateri's image on it. Um, and so small things like that. We have 
we have a Saint shirt this year in our trading post that kids, a lot of kids will buy, and, and it's got Saint Kateri on it as well, among others, right, that are important to us. Um, but there's so many different things and different ways for these kids to kind of be able to take Kateri um, and her story and, and, and just kind of what the faith meant to her back with them. And I think, obviously, the crosses are, are a big important thing, the litany cards. We also have um, the tiny saint keychains of St. Kateri that a lot of kids will get as well. So we just have a lot of different mementos that we that we kind of use as reminders of, of her faith and her devotion that she had um, to Jesus and Mary. And part of the reason we're having this conversation is because I was a counselor there. I included a chapter. I wrote a reflection, a lesson uh, about Kateri uh, in my new book, How They Love Mary. And so I simply pulled up one of the litanies. I'm sure there are several different versions. This one is uh, from the EWTN website, and uh, they have a few invocations. So one of the things I noticed, and I've written about this, I talk about it in, um, you know, in a documentary I did, uh, is that a lot of times these litanies that we pray, whether they're litanies to the Sacred Heart or litanies to different saints. So where I live, we have a lot of roadside chapels. So like there's a St. Rock roadside chapel, St. Peregrine roadside chapel. So I decided that I was going to look up and see if there was a litany to these saints. And as I read them, there were little biographies I, th- I felt because I'm like, I didn't know that St. Peregrine was healed by the outstretched arm of Christ crucified or that St. Rock was invoked by a during a pandemic. And so I learned as I asked the saint to pray for me, I learned about them. And so the same is true for Kateri. A lot, you know, there are lots of different things here. Kateri, courage of the afflicted. Kateri, flower of fortitude, unshakable in temptations, keeper of your virginity through persecution. But then there are two invocations that speak of the Blessed Mother. Kateri, leader of many Indians to the true faith through your love for Mary. So Mary brought some of these Indians to the true faith. And then your holy death gave strength to all Indians to love Jesus and Mary. So those are two little invocations that mention uh, the Blessed Mother. So now... I'm curious, why is it, and maybe you could give just a little history of Camp Tekawitha here in the Diocese of Green Bay, like, when did it start? Why do they call it Camp Tech? Yeah, so Camp Tekawitha started in 1926. That's a long um, time ago. Yeah, yeah, we are coming up on our our 100th anniversary here. We're super excited. Um, But we actually, we started as a camp um, that was basically for young women or young girls from inner city Chicago to have an opportunity to spend time just in nature and kind of the great outdoors. So our founder, Rosemann Lannan, um, was from Chicago. And, and so she, I guess, just found this land and was like, this is where we wanted to be. So we were known as Catholic Girls Camp for the longest time, um, all the way up until about the, the mid-70s when our diocese, the Diocese of Green Bay, um, decided that, you know, it was through, it was actually through a competition or through a, um, a vote that our name, Camp Tekawitha, came to be. So back in the 70s, um, they were looking at, at, at starting to shift this to be more of a co-ed camp versus an all-girls camp, and so they were looking for different names, and so they had a competition. And they had a bunch of people submit names. This, this council of, of priests and bishops kind of narrowed it down to five names, and one was at the time, blessed Kateri Tekawitha. Um, and 
kind of through a vote of the people of the Diocese of Green Bay, they landed they landed on, on Tekawitha. And so that's kind of how the name came to be. And that was in the late 70s um, that, that that name kind of solidified and obviously still remains today. Um, and as you know, Father Mooney, but some other people might not, um, St. Kateri was canonized um, in October of 2012. And so there are actually, that's when we were spelling her name a little bit different. So you might hear us say, right, Tekawitha, but the spelling might incur like Tekakwitha, right? So there's, there's still a couple of differences, and we get people all the time that are that are asking us, you know, so why did you change, why did you add a K, right? Why did the name change? What happened there? Um, and and so it's a, it's a cool opportunity to have a conversation about just the process of canonization and about Kateri's life with some of our alumni or some of our neighbors here on Loon Lake, um, just about how that, that process happened and why it happened and the importance of it and, and everything like that. So the camp gets the name Kateri Tekawitha or Camp Tech. We talked yep. about earlier how you share the story with the students. They're now, you know, instilling devotion to this same people. Take her as a confirmation saying, what inspires you the most about Kateri Tekawitha? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think um, for me, it's the fact that you know, it was, it felt like the barriers were endless, right? She was constantly, like, like going up against the wall with her faith, where it was like, at first, you know, um, obviously she lost, she lost her family um, at a young age due to smallpox, and then it was kind of her uncle had taken her, had taken her in, but, you know, he didn't believe in Jesus, he didn't necessarily want her to be Catholic, and then, you know, even at, at her young age, when, when she finally was kind of like, lying on her deathbed, um, her devotion to Jesus remained steadfast through every single challenge she had. Um, and for me, it's just, it's such a good reminder, because she was so young. Like, she was so young when she died, right? Um, younger than I am right now, right? And so it's one of those reminders that's like how beautiful it is to have the faith of a child at all times. And to just remain steadfast, no matter what challenges your com- challenges come my way, no matter what, um, no matter what, I guess yeah, what barriers are there? It's 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 all about Jesus, and it's all about our relationship with Him, and and making sure that that yeah, we're we're kind of keeping the faith throughout it all. And I think that's what really continues to draw me in to to her and her life and her devotion that she had um, towards obviously our Blessed Mother, and Jesus as well. Whether this is good or bad, I'm not sure, but I remember that I had a conversation with a parent one time, and they were talking about all the summer camps that their kid was going to be going to throughout the summer. And basically, the kid went to camps during the summer because it was cheaper than you know paying for daycare or paying for uh, babysitting or whatever the case might be. So they just sent the kid to different camps uh, because it, you know, they room and board and, and all of that. They get to make memories, have fun, and then they come home on the weekend and then they go to the next camp. So uh, now there are lots of different camps out there. So, I, you know, back when I was a, a student, I could have went to band camp if I wanted to perfect my <laughs> musical playing, I suppose. There are sports camps, like if you want to increase your skill in football or whatever. So why does someone choose to go to Camp Tekawitha? Honestly, it comes down to two things that I hear from parents, day in and day out. 
first, it's the community. And every single week, we strive so like like we strive to make sure that every kid is included, every kid is loved, every kid feels their sense of worth. Um, this year, our theme for the summer is chosen, right? So like you have been chosen as as beloved, and you are um, your identity in Christ, and just like helping people to understand their worth. Um, and I think the second thing, the second reason why people choose Camp Tech with us, we're one of only three Catholic camps in the state of Wisconsin. And I think I think people are, are craving, craving for their kids to experience faith in such a real and authentic way. Um, you know, we, we don't have a rock wall. We don't have climbing, you know, all, all these, like, big fancy. We don't go water skiing. We don't... Um, we don't have horses, you know, we don't have some of these bigger things that some of these other camps have. What we have, um, we have a community. And, and, you know, we're told that these days, this is one of the loneliest generations because of social media and because of, you know, obviously COVID that we just came off of. And when kids come here, the moment they step foot on, on campgrounds, they are just welcomed exactly as who they are as, as a human being. Um, into this community of people that are just going to rally around them, and it's just going to be an epic, awesome, fun week where they're going to create memories that are going to just last a lifetime, and they're just going to laugh until they can't laugh anymore. Right? They're going to laugh till it hurts, till like their stomach is just like sore, their cheeks are sore, and and I think that's really why why Camp Tech with a um, is is thriving. You know, in, in recent years, we really stepped into our identity as a Catholic camp, and along with our growth, you know, adding daily mass, adding adoration and confession, adding these these different types of devotions to, to you know, St. Kateri in this instance, um, and and just adding the faith in every kind of small way that, that is that, that's not forced, right? That's just natural and real and fun. Um, honestly our, our kids love coming here and, and they love that. Because they they feel like it's different. It's different than school. It's different than other camps they've been to. Um, it's just it's special. So I think that's that's probably the, the the two biggest things that I've heard have been kind of the community and the Catholic identity. And, and my families love it. They love it. And you have not only these faith opportunities, as you mentioned, but there is fun. There's programming throughout the day. They have recreation. And you're situated on a lake, Loon Lake. So when I was a counselor, there was, you know, time to spend in the water or whatever. Is that something that still continues? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think think that's kind of where that, that all of that kind of comes to be, right? We are a very typical summer camp. So we have tie-dyeing and we have archery and we have slip and slide kickball and we have shaving cream with a ball. We have boating. We have sailing. Um, we have kayaks. <laughs> no campouts. And yeah, we are like totally, totally a, a regular summer camp just with a Catholic twist. So, yeah. Now, tell me, are you aware, I think, if I'm not mistaken, open a correction, but there's a summer camp in uh, maybe Kansas called Camp Tech with us. Is that right? Ah, oh, Father Looney, the amount of people that we get each summer <laughs> that sign up for Camp Tech for our Camp Tech with us that are from Kansas, um, it's it's by far. I would say we probably vote ten people every year that we catch that are from Kansas that we're like, I think he signed up for the wrong camp. 
And I'm like, sure. oh, my goodness, we're so sorry. Yes, we did. Um, and actually, two years ago, we had a staff member who applied to be on, on our staff. They had met, they're from Kansas, so they had meant to sign up for the Kansas camp. But then, you know, we were like, did you mean to sign up for Wisconsin? And they were like, no. And I was like, dude, if you want to interview, we'd, we'd love to love to have a conversation with you. And he's like, yeah, absolutely, let's do so. Had an interview. We ended up hiring him. And he was like, you know, he's like, uh, you know, if I if I applied for the camp of Wisconsin, he's like, I genuinely believe there must have been a reason for it. Um, and so he came up and spent the summer with us. Um, and so there's there's that's probably the next. I would say we're we're probably two of the more well known camps camp tackle with us. Um, but there's also one in Maine that that we that we've heard from quite a few times. There are people that have found us online that are from Maine looking for that camp. Um, and so there was one in Maine, and there's one down in Arizona as well that I know of, at least. Have you ever compared your style of camp to theirs? You know, I so the main one is so different because actually um, everything is in French in Maine. So oh. to be honest with you, I I can't really compare. <laughs> I, like I think I went to the website once and I was like, cool. Um, but but that was that was a little bit different. And on the East Coast, they have a lot more regarding like their camps are are a lot longer. So on the East Coast, they'll do a lot of like full summer camps. So if a kid goes, they're going there for like eight weeks, right? So that, that that's a lot different. But the camp down in Kansas, um, I think I think we're we're somewhat we're somewhat similar in a lot of ways. Um, and I know that the camp down in Kansas is it's kind of right next to um, Benedictine down there, and so they get a lot of kids from from down there as well. But um, you know, I want to say yeah, it, it's at least from what we've heard of it. It's quite similar in, in programming, and you know, of course, we add our own style as, as they do as well. Um, but pretty similar as a, as a typical Catholic camp. I have a great love for Sac Religious and uh, kind of partner with them on different promotions and things like that. And I, I was down at a trade show uh, in July of last year talking with uh, one of the guys from there, and I said, "Hey, I." You know, I'd like to buy some cam- some Kateri socks. They just came out with them. I'm like, I- I'd love to send them to Camp Tech. Uh, we have a camp in our diocese. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm aware of it. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't aware of the Green Bay one. I'm pretty sure he probably was thinking of the one in Kansas. But I didn't have the heart to tell him, and I just let it go, you know. So uh, how many... Sure. How many campers do you expect to have this summer? And if someone right now is listening, they're like, oh, I have a kid between those ages, as you mentioned, sixth to eighth grade, I think it was. Um, Could they still sign up a a kid or are you at full capacity for the summer? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Also, back to soccer religious really quickly. I actually know somebody who works there. So they may have been thinking of our camp <laughs> because I worked with somebody who actually works at Soccer Religious. Um, we worked together down at CYO Camp Rancho Formosa in southern Indiana oh, wow. for a year. Uh, so, so there, there, there's a decent chance he may have he may have known just because I I know him. Um, if it's the person that I'm that I think we both might be thinking of. Um, but fun fact: so we we and we appreciate your connection to Soccer Religious because now. Um, we actually got a couple shirts from them this year for a trading post, and and so always good just to be able to connect with other like just cool cool Catholic people. So thank you for that. Um, as far as the summer, we're expecting about thirteen hundred kids this summer, which is um, pretty much yeah, it's record numbers for us. Um, so we're so excited to kind of see what that looks like, and and we do still have some availability for some of our weeks. Uh, most of the availability is in like the earlier part of our summer, um, but we definitely have some availability through like mid July. So I would say, you know, ages six, 
six all the way up to eighteen. Um, you know, we'd love to love to have the more the merrier. We like to say, you know, we'd love to have people join us and just have an epic, fun, awesome week out at camp. And what's your website if people want to learn more and maybe even possibly register? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is um, camptechwitha.org, which is, is basically spelled the C-A-M-P-T-E-K-A-K-W-I-T-H-A.org. Okay, wonderful. I'll be sure to put that also in the show notes so people will be able to easily find it. And yeah, well, thanks so much for sharing. I've learned a lot. I didn't know the whole story. Even though I worked there, I didn't know the whole story about how it became Camp Tech. And I I didn't know it was that old even. So I, yeah, you've enlightened me today uh, in our conversation. And uh, I appreciate you taking out time because I know you're probably training your counselors and whatnot because you're ready to start for the summer. And and uh, but this is a great conversation, and hopefully it, it brings you know some more exposure to this beautiful gem. You know, Bishop Brickin always talks about diamonds in our backyards, and here is a diamond in the Diocese of Green Bay, and it seems that you've really transformed it to be a, a camp of Catholic identities, and that's great. So thank you for your good work and leadership there. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for having me, and uh, always good to talk to an alumni. Right, somebody who, who's been out here and just know, too, we really appreciate all of your support that you've kind of given us throughout the years and even coming out. We're excited to see you in a couple of weeks for, uh, for Daily Mass. So, yes, awesome. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I am honored by how many people listen to How They Love Mary. I hope that you'll continue to listen over the upcoming months as we continue to go through, lesson by lesson, my book, How They Love Mary, 28 Life-Changing Stories of Devotion to Our Lady. If you were touched by today's episode, consider sharing it on social media. And if you haven't already done so, please rate and review the podcast so that it might help others find it as well. Again, thanks so much for listening. Know of my prayers for you. Please pray for me. God bless you and Mary intercede for you.